0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.
1: Happy Halloween, Real Life Church. We are excited to see you this morning. Whether you are with us in person or joining us online, go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's worship God together this morning.
0: I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive, all my failures I tried to hide. It was my tune till I met you, you called my name. soul, and now your freedom is all that I know. The old may know, Jesus, we are. be in the house of the Lord this morning. Put your hands together. Would you Help me out on this next part. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. shout of praise.
1: Father to us. He's a God that turns graves into gardens and bones into armies, and we're going to sing about it this morning, and we're going to praise him together as we continue to worship. I search the Lord together to close.
2: your name, and we just rejoice in the fact, God, that only you can. I pray, God, that we leave here fired up today, God, that we never slip into complacency or apathy in our walk with you, God, that you will just let us run out of this building today on fire for you. Everyone here in the building and online, real life as a church together, we all end this prayer by saying amen. Man, what's going on, Real Life Church? Man, it's good to see you today. Man, I don't know about you. It's been a really fun weekend so far, but I've been looking forward to this moment right here, worshiping together. I hope you have too. And before we do anything else, let's recognize an amazing group of people called Real Life Church Online. Can we give it up big here in the room for Real Life Church Online. If you're watching us now live, throw up some likes and some hearts. Interact with us in the comments today. If you're listening to this later in the week on a podcast or YouTube, welcome. We're honored that you're checking us out. Hey, everyone here in the room, turn to someone and say, "boo" and then have a seat. (laughs) You did it. That was cool. Oh man, it is so awesome to see you here today on Superhero Sunday. We're doing it up big today. The kids are dressed in their Sunday finest, their superhero outfits. I saw a banana walk in here today, that was really cool. So man, you know what, it is an honor it is an honor to do fun things as a church for the kids can i get an amen on that it's all about them man you know getting them excited for god and i love what sean says i'm going to take a sean line there's no junior holy spirit man that speaks to my heart with four littles of my own and i know how pumped up they are and if you got kids man just thank you thank you for bringing them to church it's so much fun to celebrate with them today if you're brand new online i'm going to invite you to click the link you're seeing now if you're brand new to real life church in the room i want you to get your phone out and text rl new to 97000. we have a wonderful group called the connection team that would love to follow up with you this week and just answer any questions you might have about Real Life Church and just see how we can be praying for you. I don't think I mentioned this yet, but following up is completely digitally. No one from Real Life Church ever shows up at your door unannounced. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah, we don't do that, all right? We're not like the trick-or-treaters, okay? We ain't just going to show up. But uh, no, we would love to connect with you real this week and just uh, and reach out to you see what we can uh, what we can do for you this week and hey if you're brand new in the room don't leave here without stopping by our new here booth we have a small gift for you as just our way of saying thanks for being here with us this morning at Real Life Church you know Real Life Church is a church on a mission and that mission goes far beyond what you're seeing here this morning it's far beyond that Sunday gathering our mission is to get out in the community to get out in the world and just find people that are close to us, but far from God, and to see those people discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. God's got a plan for you guys, man. He's got something for you. If you just open up that heart and just seek him, I promise you he's not hard to find. And it's our mission to just make, help that connection to happen. If that's been on your heart, how you can get more involved, if that's been on your heart, how you can get planted to help reach people, I pray that you'll pray about that today. And I pray that you'll find any one of us with a name tag and ask how you can put some roots down here at Real Life Church. We'd be honored to be on mission with you. Well, every few weeks I get to say this, uh, guys, I have some bad news. Can I get a big aww? It's the last message of our Infected series. Let's get it again. Oh, It's been a good one, though, for real. I don't know about you guys, but, man, every single week has been a new challenge. And this one might hit the closest to home for some of us, especially those of us that have known God for a while, that have been on mission for a while. But I tell you, there, there's something that happens that can happen to all of us, and it can happen really quickly. It's called Apathy. It's called apathy, and in a lot of ways, apathy is more dangerous than being really high or really low about something, you know? It just sort of creeps up in there, and it happens to us spiritually before we know it. Well, we've said ah a couple times, but now we're going to say, yay, can I get a big yay? Because the amazing, I almost called him pastor, the amazing, well, he is, the amazing barry hardy yay is gonna bring us a word today and we're gonna just lean in right now and he's gonna help us to just discover what it's like to find that spark for god again in our lives will you give it up big for barry hardy what's up
3: barry what's up everybody man one of these days when i grow up i want to be just like drew he's my superhero i couldn't find the costume though i see thor run around superman run around black panther i think but I couldn't find the Drew costume. So, can somebody please work on that creative team? Uh, we can market this, get it copyrighted, make some money for Jesus. Man, welcome to Superhero Sunday. You guys having fun? That's right. Man, why do we love superheroes? It inspires us, right? It's who we want to be. Doesn't everybody want to be a hero? Somebody want? there we go. There's going to be somebody out there, no, I want to be Dr. Doom, I want to be the villain, I want to be the destructor, the one that just tears everybody down. No, we love these movies. You know, think of all the Marvel movies that come out in the last several years, or the DC movies. There's a reason why billions and billions of dollars have been made through these movies, because they're movies that speak to what we think is the best. You know, the hero always wins, right? Everything's set in place. There's always a disaster, something that happens, but the hero shows up just in time. And that's what we want in our lives, right? Man, when we were growing up, we always had a favorite superhero. Pastor Sean, who was your your favorite superhero? You got to go Superman, right? Man, the guy could do anything. A man of steel, he cannot be destroyed. That is what we are looking for. But what happens in life? Man, when life happens, we put away those childish things, and we see that's not how the world really works. And with all our best intentions and with all our best hopes, we enter into life, work, marriage, and we go in thinking that we're going to be the hero in that situation, and then what happens? We get hurt. We get beat down. We get destroyed. We get to a spot in life where we knew things were really, really well at one time and awesome. We had a spiritual passion. And we loved life, but these things happen, and they continue to happen, and we're wondering, what do these things mean? Why does this happen to me? And we get to a spot we're, we're, uh, we're, I was gonna call him Pastor Drew, we're Drew <laughs> where Drew Drew talked about we get to this spot where it's like we're just at a spot that's like eh you guys been there I know I've been there you know my generation Generation X which we're getting older now we were kind of the generation that was known as like hmm you know we didn't have like the counterculture revolution of the sixties like we had these ideals that they had it was like hmm you know parents were divorced. We raised ourselves. Eh, we we weren't hungry, but we had no passion in our lives. You see that come through in the music, through the grunge scene, whatever. That's who we were. So, you know, this kind of resonates with me. And so if it does with you, I want you guys to know, I'm going to give you right here at the beginning, God's called you to something big. And you might tell me, Barry, I'm not there right now. That's cool. That's fine. Hang with me, because I'm going to tell you guys some stories that hopefully inspire you And just bring back the fact that God's got something big for you. I want to share this verse with you right off the bat. It's in Hebrews. Paul wrote this book. And in Hebrews chapter 6, he's trying to encourage us. And so if that's you today and you have apathy in your life, listen to these words. You may not feel them yet, but listen to them. Start them, let them absorb into your heart. He says this, God's not unjust because that's what so many of us think. You're like, why does this happen to me? But Paul tells us here, he says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. Don't give up. He's saying don't give up right here. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And for so many of us, we're in a spot where we feel like we've given up, you know. And it's like, what does it really matter? Does God really want to use me? Because it doesn't seem like it. God can use somebody else. I guarantee there's somebody else out there better equipped, you know, has God's call in his life, like Pastor Sean or Drew. You know, let God use them. But, man, Paul's encouraging us here. You are in a spot to stand in the gap to change the life of somebody that is in your circle. Now, I don't know who that is for you. It may be your family. It may be somebody at work. It may be... You know, the whole community. I don't know who that is for you, but God's calling you to that spot. And can I encourage you, as we listen to these stories here in a bit, that to put yourself in that spot and know that God's got something great for you. Now, I'm like, Drew, I love this series, Infected. When I first heard the title, I was like, oh, what's Pastor Sean gonna do with this? There's so many things you can do, right? Like, think of all the TV shows about zombies and vampires. They're all kind of a virus idea, right? You get bitten, you get changed. Who likes zombie movies? You guys like the show Walking Dead? Skin falling off, right? Cool, awesome. You know, think about like I was raised in a generation where AIDS just came on the scene. And dude, how many were you guys were growing up about that time? I never thought that I would have to learn to do wall seats in the restroom because you got to hover. You can't touch that toilet seat, right? Because you don't know what virus you're gonna get. You're gonna get AIDS from touching the toilet seat. That's what they thought for a while. Or better yet, have you guys ever had this friend? Because I've had a couple friends like this. Like literally going to the restroom or wherever, pulling in, can't touch the handle, or they turn around, they kick the door, bam, open it up, and you got some poor old guy standing behind the door getting ready to leave, and he's like, boom, get knocked out. Well, why do we do that? Nobody wants a virus, right? Nobody wants to be infected. And we all know of some famous people that are super, super scared of germs. And if that's you today, I'm not making fun because the reality is, obviously, look at the season we're in, and that's why we're talking about it. You know, COVID is a very serious thing. And the viruses that are passed have just cost so many many lives, health, health decisions, health consequences. And so you see some very famous people that have taken viruses very, very seriously. Howard Hughes, if you know that story, super billionaire. He was the Elon Musk of his day. He can invent anything, super, super rich. He ended up dying in his room because he was scared to go outside. He didn't want a virus. Howard Stern, one of the most famous radio personalities ever, he will not shake anybody's hand. Or if you'd like to watch TV, you guys know Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory? Another guy, right? What is it about it? You know, it's endearing at some level because the guys are trying to protect themselves. Well, I guarantee you guys know one other famous person that absolutely was terrified of germs. Ooh, I heard some names out there. I'm not going to ask you to guess. Did you guys know that Mr. Adolf Hitler was one of the biggest germaphobes ever? And I was like, when I first heard that a couple years ago, I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Because when you think of Hitler, what do you guys think of? Think of the, what, the little mustache, the guy up there raging on stage with the oratorical skills of a charismatic leader. You know, anger, the Holocaust. Those are the things that come to my mind. I never really thought of Hitler as a germaphobe. Like, that's kind of weird. And then the guy that was talking about it, he said, if you listen to his speeches and what he has to say, how did he describe the Jews of his day? He called them what? he called them the virus of the world so here's hitler being afraid of viruses and he puts that persona on a people the people of god that racial identity of the jews and what's he decided to do well you know the history through the holocaust he tried to destroy them and you know here's the thing we're not getting into politics today but you hear a lot of people say you know if i was you know if i was a citizen back in the 1930s in germany I would have stood up to Hitler. I would have done something different. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I see a fascist. I'm going to punch him in the face. And, you know, I get that sentiment. But guess what? That's really easy to do. I've got a better question for somebody that ever says that. How about what would you do if you came across that person and you stood in the gap and you decided to be a spiritual mentor or a protector of that person? Because do you guys really think Hitler woke up one day and ended up where he was at deciding to kill six million people? That's not what happens. What if Hitler would have had somebody in his life speaking truth to him and said, son, I see what's going on in your life. You're walking down a path that is going to end in destruction. And that person doesn't even have to know really how bad it was going to be. To stand in that person's spot, stand in that gap and lead that young man, what would the world look like today had somebody taken that role and that opportunity just to mentor that guy? And so for so many of us, we live in a world of apathy, and we think our lives don't make a difference. And I'm not going to, you know, I have no idea who we influence, but the same thing applied to the people that were in his circle. They never knew what he was going to do, so God's called us to a big purpose. God's called us to a place where He have an opportunity to change somebody's life. And so I'm not here to talk about Hitler, but I want you guys to know this. Hitler was not the first person to try to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. He wasn't. So I'm going to tell you guys a really cool story. So if you guys haven't had an opportunity to to read the Bible much, I want to encourage you. I'm going to share parts of this story today from a book called Esther. And it's in the Old Testament. So check it out. I really want to encourage you guys. It's an awesome place to start reading the Bible. Because when you get into stories, I have had people ask me, like, how do I start reading the Bible? The Bible has so many cool stories. And this is one of them. Jump in, read this. It's like six chapters. It's really short. So I want to give you a little bit of the background of what's going on here before I tell you the story about Esther and what happened to the Jews in her time. So the quick history is this, is that the Jews had a whole kingdom. You've heard of like King David, King Solomon. Well, in that time, man, they were ruling that whole area. God was good. They were following God's laws and everything was working out just fine. But you guys know how things work, right? What eventually happens? eventually you have a guy that comes along that's like, "Mm, he's not quite as good as David, and he's not quite as wise as Solomon. And that's the story of Israel. And so what you had was you had some kings that were good, and then they were okay, and then they turned downright bad. And the worst things you ever heard of the Roman emperors, some of the kings of Israel were doing that. And so God was sending prophets. He was sending pastors. He was sending leadership into those guys' lives to say, hey, you need to follow my law. Here's what I'm calling you to and the kings, they'd, so many of them, they go like, I'm going to do my own thing. They would start building idols. They would start worshiping other gods. And then eventually, you'd get a good king, and he would fix things for a little bit. But this whole cycle of history just kept going and going and going to eventually what happened was God pulled the blessings away from Israel, and they were captured by a king named Nebuchadnezzar, which he was the king of the Babylonians. And so we set all this up. Here are the Jews. They know they are the people of God but they've gotten so far away from him that they've been captured. Can you imagine if that was you today? Somebody took you away from your home, the only country you've ever known and took you to another place. You'd be like, where's God? I can't do anything right. You know, God's done with me. I'm over. And that's who we are. And that's who the Jews were at that time. And so Here's the next part of the story. So Nebuchadnezzar, he had a downfall, and there was another kingdom that took over, and they were called the Medo-Persian Empire, to give you a little bit of history. So now, if you like movies, here's how I'm going to tie this in. You guys ever see the movie 300 with Leonidas with the abs like Sean? You know, that guy? That's right. So the king that he was fighting against was from Persia, and his name was King Xerxes. So now, I don't know if Xerxes had all the rings and tattoos and everything, but that's, who, that's a character, that's the guy we're talking about. So in the book of Esther, that's where this story starts. So here's the really, here's the funny thing to me. Xerxes was the most powerful ruler of his day. What would you guys do if you guys were the most powerful ruler and nobody could question you, right? What would you guys be like? Be like the king, right? Walking around, you go do this, you go do that. Well, here's the funny thing about the Bible. Man, the Bible just lays things out so real and it just blows my mind. So here's the beginning of the story of of the book of Esther, you have the most powerful king in the whole world. He was as powerful as any emperor was of Rome, more powerful than Hitler, more powerful than any other US president ever thought about being. So it starts off with a story. The king threw a party, right? He had all his nobles, all his servants, they were all there. He's like, hey, guess what? My queen, Vashti, she is so beautiful. I want you guys to all just, I just want you guys to all look at her and see how lucky I am and how I hold her up he said, all right, servants, I want you to go get her and bring her in so everybody can see how beautiful she is. So they go talk to Vashti like, hey, the king's summoning you. She wants you to come to this party. What does she do? This is a lesson on marriage. She goes, "Uh uh-uh, I'm busy. I'm watching the view. I don't have time for you. (laughs) So she tells him no, right? Here's the craziest thing. The most powerful guy in the whole world, his wife tells him no, and what's he do? He starts pouting like a baby. He's like, well, what am I going to do? So he gets all his, all his wise men around him, all his, uh, all his leaders, nobles. He's like, guys, she won't listen to me. What do I do? <laughs> Can you guys imagine that? Pastor Sean calls a leadership meeting, get the board <laughs> together, get the staff. Guys, I wanted Diane to do something, and she didn't listen to me. <laughs> You know what I call this? I call this Monday. Actually, it's the opposite though. It's the opposite though. Chrissy asked me to do something, and I just don't listen to her. And then I, I'm like, "You're right. I shouldn't have done that." But no, here's Xerxes. He's the most powerful person in the world, and his the leadership around him. They're like, "Oh, you can't let that stand. You got to get that girl out of here." He goes, "Cause guess what?" If all our wives see what she's doing, they're going to do the same thing. And it's going to be the ruin of the kingdom. That's exactly what they told him. So he's like, all right, all right, here's what we're going to do. You're gone. Now, he didn't, I guess, to his credit, he didn't kill her. But he was like, Vashti, you're out. So this is the beginning of the story of Esther. So every king needs a queen, so he's got to replace her. So they make a search throughout the whole land. And they bring all the most beautiful women. And they start gathering them up. So here you have Esther. Esther. Who is a Jew? Now here's Esther is so emblematic of who we are in so many ways. And she's one of these women that starts getting gathered up. But Esther has so many things in her life that could have held her back from the greatness that she could become. And so that's what's going on in our lives as well. God's called you and given you so many gifts, a purpose, a great calling on your life. But we don't think we can do it. And I want to go explore some of the things that Esther happened to her and why it could have led her to a life of apathy. So the story begins, Esther, and it tells you who she is. She's an orphan. She is a person in a a place within a a group, an identity called the Jews, and they're already like a second-class citizen. And on top of that, she has no parents, they've died. It doesn't say why, but you can imagine that in a second-class citizen, they probably just got wiped out like, oh, you're not gonna do this? Boom, dead. And so who's left behind? Esther. And I don't know who's here today that has been raised in a situation like that, but maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been in a spot, a situation where all your your support structure has been ripped away from you. And that's who Esther was. I can imagine if I'm Esther, I'm Jewish, I'm a second-class citizen already, and on top of that, I have no support structure, I have no family, my parents are dead. Can God really use me? Does God want something for me, this lowly person? I'm a nobody. And I think of so many people that just take in foster kids, and, and by the grace of God, my wife and I were able to do that and then adopt. But I saw the system as I got into it, and there's so many kids that just have nothing, and what they do is they just tighten up and they build a shell, and they won't let anybody in because they've been so hurt. And maybe that's you as well, because the other orphans in this world aren't just people that are physical orphans from losing their parents, but maybe you're an orphan because you've lost a relationship. You know, maybe you've lost a spouse, either to death or divorce. You know, I've talked to so many people who are walking that situation, and they just feel like, I've been hurt so bad, I'm going to shut down. And God can't use me because I've gone through this. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like an orphan like, like Esther did. And so I want you guys to know that God can work through that and use that. But Apathy can set in. We have to get rid of that idea of why try Here's so the other thing we've talked about a little bit is is that she was a Jew. Now, the one thing that Esther ended up having in her benefit was that she had a family member come along and saw the distress of being an orphan and decided to take her into into his home. And his name was Mordecai. Ended up being a very, very wise man. And so what Mordecai did was this. He said, hey, Esther, I'm going to protect you. And so when it came time and Esther started getting gathered up, Mordecai was trying to protect her because he probably didn't know what was going to happen to the women that weren't chosen. So he wanted to give Esther the best chance to be chosen to be queen because it would put her in a position to be taken care of. You know, if you're the queen, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, how you're going to live. You're going to be taken care of. And so Mordecai wanted that for her. So he said this, though. All right, you're a Jew. If you want to be queen, you need to hide that because you're not going to get chosen. You're a second-class citizen in their eyes. You're inferior. And so as Esther's thinking about this, can you imagine being in that spot You can't tell somebody who you really are because you're going to get rejected. Well, that's what happened to Esther. And if you're in that spot and I can't be who I am and you can't be who you are, man, apathy sets again in that situation. Because if I can't be honest and let you know who I really am, who my identity is, and that identity can be a lot of things. It's not just racial. It could be just who you are, what you care about, what your passions are about. If you have to hide that, man, can you imagine living that way? But that's what Mordecai advised her to do. And it was a badge of shame. And there's so many of us that have identities that have shame and guilt tied to that. Because the things that have happened to us, whether we've been abused or whether we've been hurt, you know, those are are the things that just hold us back, right? And so in Esther's Esther's life, she had all this shame and baggage of being a Jew just tied in around who she was. And that was holding her back. One of the things that I've seen oftentimes, and it happened again this week, I've known so many people that on the outside, everything looks like it's together, right? And that's one of the knocks on church. You know, we put on our good face we come to church and everything looks okay to the outside world or the people that we go to church with or at work or wherever. But sometimes there's deep seated issues going on in the background. And those are the things that hold us back. And we're scared to let those things be, we're scared to let people know what's really happening. And in the situation I'm talking about, it's a marriage. It's a guy that I've known forever and I've known his wife for a long time. And I thought everything, I didn't think anything was perfect, but I didn't really know how bad it was. And they've kept that hidden because it was gonna affect his identity. It was going to affect his ministry job. It was gonna affect how people looked at him. And Esther, the same thing happened with her. The same thing can happen with us. So here's the next part of Esther's story. So man, to be queen, I'm not tough enough to do this. She had to spend 12 months getting prepared to even meet the guy, to meet Xerxes. And she was in this whole group of other, you know, just beautiful young maidens. They had to get through all these processes being dipped in myrrh, spices. I don't know what they were doing. But they, she had to be absolutely perfect to meet the king. So here's the awesome thing about Esther. The people that were serving the king, they saw something special in Esther. In the same way that somebody sees something special in you guys, I know it. And so what God was doing behind the scenes was this, is that they were preparing Esther to meet the king. And she found favor in everybody's eyes because even though that she might have been apathetic and didn't see the gifting and, and the good things in her life that she could bring to the world and stand in the gap to protect somebody, God saw it and the people around her saw it. And so what happened was is that eventually she got to meet the king and he said, bam, girl, that's the one right there. That's the one I want. And it was no doubt it was like no dating game, we're not going through contestants A, B, and C. I've got the first one, that's it. So Esther became king, or queen, I'm sorry. Esther became queen. <laughs> Esther was chosen, man. She hit the lottery, right? And that's what we think sometimes, like, oh man, I had it, it was good. But then you really start finding out the details. What was really going on here? Yeah, she's the queen, but we already saw what happened to the first one, Davasti. There's really no power here. There's really no prestige other than, I'm just a trophy. I'm just, a, I'm just a, another piece of jewelry on this guy's ring. I'm just something to make him look better. Really, she was powerless. She didn't bring anything to the table. And here's the other interesting thing was, is that in that time and in that world, and the Bible talks about it, she couldn't even go see her husband anytime she wanted. And if he went, to, she went to go see him without being summoned, she was under the threat of death. If she just needed to ask him something, hey babe, let's talk about this. I didn't summon you. Can you imagine living that way? How many of you have felt powerless in some situation in your life, whether it's at work and you've been put under a load and given a job to do that you're not resourced to do? Maybe you were raised in an abusive situation and I hear this story more than I care to ever think about. Don't tell anybody or I'm gonna hurt you and your sister. Can you imagine being in a situation where you are completely helpless and completely powerless? You walk into that world, and maybe that's you today. How can you not give up? How can apathy not set in? Man, I get it. I can't make that change because I have no power to do it. And that's where Esther was at. So, as we've continued the rest of Esther's story, and I really encourage you again go back and read the whole thing because it's so awesome. Esther becomes queen. And De Xerxes is making changes everywhere. And what, she, what he does is that he ends up raising up another guy, he raises up another servant, and his name's Haman. And the Haman guy, this is where the plot turns bad. Haman's not a good guy. He's power hungry, he's money hungry. He wants all the prestige for himself. He'd really probably like to get rid of Xerxes, if truth be told. Well, he gets promoted to this prestigious position, and everybody's kissing his hiney, right? They're like, oh yeah, Haman, you the man, you the man. Except one guy, who was that? It was Mordecai. It was the guy that was a God-fearing man that had raised up Esther, protected her, and was able to put her in a position where she became king. Mordecai wouldn't bow. Mordecai wouldn't kiss kiss his hand, wouldn't give him honor, because he knew what kind of guy Haman was, and that just ticked Haman off. So the rest of the story where the plot really goes is Haman says, you know what? I'm gonna kill Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew. You talked about Hiller, but guess what? Killing Mordecai is not enough. Killing his family is not enough. Yep, I found out Mordecai's a Jew. We're gonna kill everybody. This is Haman's plan, and so Xerxes doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't care about the Jews. He doesn't. He's what's up? Okay, so Haman goes in. He goes, hey, guess what, King? There's a people throughout your your kingdom. They don't listen to the laws. They don't follow your customs. Hey, guess what? I'm going to give you $10,000 or 10,000 talents of silver, which was probably millions of dollars. And I'm going to give it to the treasury just so we can go kill all these people. Because it'll be a good thing for you, king. King's like, ah, okay, you're my leader. I'm going to listen to you. Keep your money. Just do what you got to do. I'll cover the cost. We're going to kill all the Jews. He didn't know that Esther was a Jew. So Mordecai hears this. He rips his clothes off. He starts praying and fasting. And, and Esther's people come to her and go like, man, Esther, did you hear what happened? Do you see what Mordecai's doing out there? What's going on? And she has no idea. She's in the, ca- she's in the, she's in the uh, where do kings and queens stay? They're in the castle. I don't know what they're in. They're in a building separated somewhere. This is Persia. This isn't, this isn't England. This isn't King Arthur. I don't know where she's at, but she's separated. She goes and sends her service to Mordecai. Dude, what's going on? He tells her what's going on. So this is the spot where Esther Esther could have said, what am I gonna do? Who am I? Apathy could have set in. And God's calling her to stand in the gap. And Mordecai's saying, we need your help. So for you guys today, I got three things for you. How do we break through apathy? How do we get this out of our life? How do we get rid of this infection to stand in the gap to change the lives of the people that God's called us to do? And we're, real quickly, Esther did three things. The first one is, is she got the right perspective. Because when we're apathetic so many times, who are we focusing on? Very self-centered, we don't think about anybody else besides ourselves. I'm not good enough, I'm not, I don't have the right identity. Whatever that is, God said, that's not true. Esther, that's not true. What is your perspective? Life is bigger than just us. We can make a difference in somebody's lives who are the people that god put in your path to make a difference for esther it was the whole nation of jews that she could protect now i'm not saying our influence is that big but i guarantee you you can change one life who's that person in your life that will listen to nobody else that you have an influence over maybe it's your kids maybe it's your co-workers maybe it's your spouse i don't know God's got somebody for you, I guarantee it. The second thing that she did was this, is that she had gratitude. I know in the times of my life where I felt very, very apathetic, and I don't care if the sun goes up, the sun comes down, it's because I've forgotten the good things in my life that God has blessed me with. When Christy and I first got married, we were living high on the hog. We had a 200-square-foot studio apartment, right? Man, it was awesome. We had secondhand dishes. From the thrift store, we had everything we needed. I had, a, I had an Xbox or a PlayStation, what was it? I don't remember, she got mad about it. We had everything we needed. <laughs> what if I went back there today? I'd be like, oh, living in a 200 square foot studio apartment? It's because we think that the things that we get surrounded with are what's gonna make us happy. And then it's not true. The reason why we were happy in that studio apartment is because we had what was important. Then that was each other. What are the things that God's given you in your life that really are important that we've lost sight of? There's so many things that we forget about because we get our eyes on something else. Gratitude is the thing that just, just destroys apathy. Because if I can be thankful in the little things that God gives us, man, it takes the eyes off myself and puts it where it should be. Thanking God for the things that he has given us. The last thing that she did was this, is that she exuded so much bravery that it is impossible just to put uh, just an idea of what that really means on it. So Mordecai called her to do this. Here's the rest of the story. Esther, we need you. Maybe God has put you in this place. In fact, let's read this verse. Esther, Esther chapter 4. Maybe God has put you in this place. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Can I stop right there? Yeah, can God use somebody else? Absolutely. God will accomplish his ends. But God wants to use you. Because you are in the spot he has you right now. The next verse. But you you and your father's family will perish if you don't fulfill that mission. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther, maybe you're here for a reason right now because God's got you in the spot. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me. What does God have you in an area that nobody else can do? Because it's so easy to say, man, Pastor Sean, I'm going to send you over to this person's house. They don't know him. They have, he has no relationship with that person. Yeah, he'll go do it. They don't know him, though. They know you. They know me. Whoever that person is. Man, the bravery that we have to have sometimes to walk in that situation Is the bravery of Esther Esther walked in and said guys if I go to see the king he may kill me he hasn't summoned me it's gonna cost me everything the bravery is to do the right thing when it could cost you everything and maybe our lives aren't called and it's not gonna be that drastic but sometimes it feels that way and that's where the apathy comes in Ah, somebody else will get it but man God's called you to be brave God's called you to make that difference only you can do it in the way that God's called you to do it. The things that God has given us, man, it is so awesome. Esther decided, guys, if you want me to do this, I want you guys to stop and pray for three days. I'm gonna do the same thing. And she did, and they did. She goes in to see the king, and the only thing that she was looking for is for him to roll, hold out his scepter, because that means that she was welcome. And that's what happened. She walked in, he held it out, He said i will give you anything up to half of my kingdom what do you want and i don't have time to tell you the rest of the story the whole thing but guess what she worked a situation this woman was smart she was wise she was cunning and when it was all said and done mordecai was saved the jews were saved haman was dead justice came esther played the hero in that situation It's the same thing that can happen in your life. Don't ever buy the lie that you can't be the hero because you don't think you're good enough because the apathy is set in. Your identity, you have to hide from people. God can use you no matter what. And as I finish here, I'm gonna finish with stories from two different movies. And a lot of people make fun of me because I'm always reference movies. But here's the reason why I talk about movies is that every culture throughout history has a story and they tell all their values and principles, what they believe in through those stories and in our culture we use movies to tell those to give our principles the things that we believe in whether it's superheroes or just whatever whether they're romance so the first movie i want to talk about real quickly is have you ever seen a movie called gi jane it's a movie about a fictionalized where a woman goes to be a navy seal first whenever she's going through the training and i'm not sure if all the all the details are completely correct whatever but i do know this is that i've talked to some people that are in the military And there's there's a part of the movie that's absolutely true because the people they bring in to be Navy SEALs or Army Rangers or whatever, but specifically here, Navy SEALs, they were the best of the best. They were the strongest, the toughest, the most dedicated. Maybe that was you at one point. Maybe you're the strongest, the most dedicated, the people, the person that everybody looked to, but apathy set in. And that's what happens with these guys because these guys get beaten down. They wanna make sure that they're prepared and ready to go. They're carrying the boats, they're carrying the logs, they have no sleep, they're starved. And this happens for a week. Well, they have a way out. And what it is, is if you've seen the movie, there's a bell sit right in the middle of the courtyard. And if you wanna be done and you wanna give up, you go in and you ring the bell. Ding, ding, ding. And so you see the movie and you watch it, these guys get beat down, they're bloodied, they're hurt. And you see this guy going up and his head's down, he's dejected and he's just over it, he's given up. And he was one of the best. He goes up goes ding, ding, ding. And all the, all the all the training guys are like, "You don't. You should leave now." And that's what they're telling these guys. And that's what the world does to us: you're not good enough. Just drop out now. Ring that bell. And so there's so many of us in our lives that we've ring that bell. We think that we have. My spouse left. Ding, ding, ding. I got cancer. God can't use me anymore. I can't give anything. Ding, ding, ding. And that's what happens. And that's what we feel like. Sometimes maybe it's frustration. I've been in churches where, man, God's got a call on somebody's life. And they don't let them do it because they're not good enough. They're not qualified. And that person goes, okay, ding, ding, ding. Esther had that bell rung in her life. She was an orphan. She had to hide her identity. She was powerless as a queen. And we have the same thing happen in our lives. Have you rung that bell in your life? I know that I have. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Ding, ding, ding. Last movie I want to reference is this, my wife. Can I tell you my wife hates these movies? Rocky. How can you hate Rocky? Oh, yeah, clap. If you like Rocky, can you clap? There we go. Give me some support here. Well, here's the scene that I want to talk about. It was probably the worst movie in that series. It was Rocky 5? was with our own Tommy Morrison. He played a guy named Tommy Gunn. But can I set the scene a little bit? Because if you haven't watched Rocky, you should Go read Esther first, don't listen to her. Go read Esther first, and then go watch some Rocky. So, so Rocky's this guy, he's, he's from the streets. Nobody gave him a chance. He pulled himself up, became champion. So by the time Rocky V comes around, he's been the king. But he's getting older, he's basically done. And at the beginning of the movie, he finds out that he's broke. So he's punch drunk. He's not the guy he used to be. That's who his identity was. Excuse me. And on top of that, he no longer has any money. So he has to leave his big, huge palace and move back to the streets where he grew up in Philadelphia. So the last thing he can find to do is pour himself into somebody else. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you have poured your life into somebody else. And for Rocky, it was some guy named Tommy Gunn, an up-and-coming fighter that nobody believed in. So Rocky took his time and basically adopted him. He became a son to Rocky. This guy turned his back on him. And ultimately, towards the end of the movie, they get in a huge street fight, and Tommy's just wailing on him. He's half his age, just beating him down. And here's where the scene becomes very, very powerful. You have Rocky sitting down, older guy, beat up, laying in the street. He's hurt, and he starts having all these flashbacks because he has all these mental issues because of the brain trauma he's had from being a boxer. And what he's doing in that scene is all these things that have happened in his life start flashing back. Beaten down by Ivan Drago, getting hurt, being down, and these are the things that bring apathy in our lives. Because it would have been so easy for Rocky just to lay on that ground. And they're so easy for us to lay on that ground. Barry, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know who I am or what I've been or what I've done. And you lay on the ground and you're beaten down and you're hurt. And here's the here's the here's the really awesome part. And at some level, it's a little cheesy, but it's so inspiring. The last thing that he has a flashback is this, is that he had a trainer named Mickey. And Mickey comes back to him, and he was, a, he was a father, he was a mentor, somebody that stood in the gap for Rocky in this story. And what did Mickey tell him? He said, basically, he's like, what are you doing? Get up. I didn't hear any bell. And in a boxing, the bell means the round's over, you're done. Mickey said, I didn't hear any bell, get up. So Rocky does. I want you to know, even if you think you've rung that bell, the very fact that you have breath in your lungs means God didn't hear any bell. God's got something big for you. God's got something awesome for your life. And the apathy that we live with day in and day out is a lie. It's one that we've fed ourselves and we've believed, and we think that we're not good enough. But just like Mickey, even as cheesy as that example is, you have the Holy Spirit in your life if you're a child of God. He said, I see it. I know what's happened. Everybody else around might not, and they might not know what you've been through and what you're struggling with in this very moment. But can I tell you that you are a son, you are a daughter, and I didn't hear any bell. Get up. And that is not the easiest thing to do. But here's the thing, that God calls believers, disciples, a really cool name. And we put a lot of baggage on it that doesn't really have anything to do with what it is. God calls you a saint. You wanna know what a saint is? A saint is not somebody that gets things done on their own. A saint is not somebody that is just super gifted beyond all callings and just who they are just by themselves. A saint is a hero he's a hero that lives with God's purpose in his heart and depends on God's power. Man, real life, I look at each person here online, if you're following, I can't see your face, but I know that God's got something special for you. And even though you think you've rung that bell, you haven't. God didn't hear it. Real life, can I call you to get up today? Who is that person that you can stand in the gap for Make that difference, have gratitude in your heart and just change the community that God has called you to live in. Because I know you can make a difference. No matter who you are, where you've been, God's got something great for your life today. Will you pray with me? God, I come before you. I just thank you for the opportunity to just to listen to what you have for us today. God, just thank you for the inspiration of Esther. God, just thank you for a people and that will stand in the gap. God, just thank you for the people that show up week in and week out here at Real Life. And just make a difference in, in who they are and what they do. And God, I just want to pray for, for people here today. So if you're out online or you're here today, and man, God's got somebody in your life that you need, you know you need to stand in that gap for, I want to pray for you. You may think that you don't have anything to offer, but can I tell you, you do. So can I have the honor of praying for you today? Raise your hand if you've got a place where you know that you can stand, that you will make a difference in somebody's life, and you wanna make that difference today. Would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? I see hands all over. God, be with your people today. Give them the courage and just the ability to depend on you. God, know let them know that they have been created in your image and that they have a great purpose and a passion to fulfill. God, allow them just to make a difference where they're at today by living in your power. I wanna pray for one last group today. Maybe you're an orphan from the beginning because you don't know your spiritual father. And can I tell you that God is searching for you today? In the same way that Esther went from a nobody to the queen, a, a position of privilege, man, that position's always been available for you, to be in God's house, to be in God's family. God's calling you home today. And you know that you've had things that have gone wrong in your life, and you've fallen short and you're not a perfect person. God knows that as well. So if God's calling you today just to follow him, pray something like this along with me. God, I know that I've sinned and I've done so many things that are wrong and I wanna give those things to you today. God, accept me for who I am, where I am and accept me as the son and the daughter that you've called called me to be and I will follow you the rest of my days, amen. Man, can we get up for everybody today that made that decision? Man, God has a purpose for your life today.
4: How incredible. And hey, if that's you today and you say, yeah, I'm stepping into that call from God. I feel that pulling inside of me. I want to know what that is to be his child. We could not be more excited for you. I have a couple of next steps for you. And the first one's this to take out your phone. If you're joining us online, you can click the link text RL next to 97,000. That is going to take you to part of our website for helping you know what's next on your journey with Jesus. It gives you a place to share your story with our team so we can reach out and encourage you. It gives you some resources to connect as you walk with God. And if if you're joining us in person here, we also have on the back table on the way out of the worship center some red bags. Please grab one. There is a Bible in there with a connection to some of those links that will help you on your journey with Jesus. And maybe today you know God, you are his child, but you're you're wondering, you're at that crossroads kind of like Esther saying, you know, do I stay back and do what's comfortable or do I step out and say, God, what is it that you have for me? Do I sign my name at the bottom of that blank page saying, "Yes, God, whatever you have." And I have a next step for you. As as well. Next week, we are doing our crash course, and this is an incredible opportunity to come spend a couple hours with Sean and I to walk through how God has made you, who he's called you to be, how you can connect to that purpose and ultimately make a difference, either here at Real Life, out in the community, in your work, wherever it is that God's calling you. But maybe today you're saying, should I say that yes to God? And I'd love to share a story with you about our crash course. A few weeks ago, um, Sean actually got to do our crash course with um, a guy named Dan, who now is coming to Real Life and has been for a while. Um, and it was really cool because met up with Dan and Dan said, you know what, I knew God a long time ago and a kind of of walked away, but I know I just feel him calling. I want to be back. I want to have God in my life. So he took a step of faith, came to crash course, connected with Sean. He got connected on our dream team. So last week was actually his first week serving on our team, on the pipe and drape team. If you don't know what pipe and drape is, join our team, but it's all this wonderful black drape that you see to turn this into a worship gathering center. Um, And so it was just really cool to see him not only come to crash course, but jump onto the team. And he was sharing With Sean, he's like, Man, I just feel like God has ignited that spiritual passion back into my life, into my walk. And so last week, we also got to have our Heart and Soul Night, and it was just an incredible shot in the arm for our team, a time of encouragement. And I love it because that morning was Dan's first time serving on the team. He goes out that afternoon, he's driving on the road, somebody needs help on the side of the road, pulls over to see how he can help that person, and then in the process, starts a conversation to hey, invite that person to church, why don't you come out? I go to this awesome church. Just every step along the way and then he's like you know what i'm gonna go to heart and soul night on his first day serving on the dream team so came out hung out with the host team at heart and soul and then at the very end of heart and soul night sean asked everybody who was at the table somebody to stand up and pray for their team and without missing a beat dan first day on the dream team stands up puts out his arms prays over those guys on the host team and it was just really cool to see how god has just grabbed a hold of him and is working in his life to make a difference in people around him. And it wasn't because of anything Sean did or because we did here or had a crash course, but Dan was willing to say yes to God and to say, you know, what, God, whatever you have, if it's uncomfortable, it pulls me out, I'm going to do it. And so it's just so cool to see God using people and grabbing a hold of their lives. So I don't know if he's in here right now. I saw him this morning, but let's give it up for Dan. Yeah. Um... It's been so cool to see just so many of you, how God has grabbed a hold of you and gotten a part of the team. So if you're in that moment where you're like, I don't know what to do, but I want to say yes to God, come out to Crash Course next week. Sean and I would love to connect with you. You can sign up, RSVP, on our website. It's from 2 to 4.30 next Sunday, so we'd love to see you. And the last next step is this, that we get to make a difference in the lives of Dan's all over our city because of your generosity. So let me encourage you to feed the thing that feeds you, feed the thing that's making a difference in our lives. And you can do that a few ways. You can go to reallifechurchkc.com, you can click give, you can text any amount to 84321, or we have a giving box in the back that you can drop cash or check in there. So let me invite you to be a part of what God is doing here at Real Life. And then I would love it if you would check out this video to see what's coming up. Hello there, everyone. I'm Diamond. Thank you so much for coming out. We got a special thing for all the parents and guardians out there. Your children are a blessing and stewardship from the Lord. As parents, be a part of a special moment of child dedication. Mark your calendars and align your heart with God's heart as we get together on November the 7th. We want you to know that it's on the website. So just scroll to the events page and look it up and attend, and we can't wait to see you there. Again, this is Diamond from Real Life Church. We can't wait to see you and a friend right here next Sunday. Have a great week. Bye. If you have a Kid, not just a baby but we are doing a child dedication if you don't know what that is you are not going to want to miss it next week it is a powerful time we'll do in both gatherings of just really aligning our hearts with God aligning ourselves as a church to say hey this family is going to raise their kiddo in church they are going to be committed and they need all of us to come alongside them and do that it's going to be a really cool time where you get to come up on stage we'll share your story it's so moving to be a part of and see these families dedicate their kids to God so you're not going to want to miss it and if you have a kid you want to dedicate, please go to our website. You can sign up there to come up. We'll, and some member from our team will reach out to you to connect to make sure we have all the information, details for you and all that kind of stuff. So do not miss it. It's going to be a powerful time to play, pray a blessing over these families. And then... If you didn't know, it's Halloween. And so we have all of our kiddos are dressed up. We have a photo booth out there. So don't miss out on that and some of our superheroes. We would love for you to be connected in that way. And you may have noticed on your seats here, we have a little bag with cards. Please take those home. Pass them out to trick-or-treaters who come by your place and say, hey, come check out Real Life Church. And if you need more, there's five in the bag. There's going to be somebody at the door back there who has stacks of 25. So you can grab a few of those as well if you want to pass them out to trick-or-treaters tonight at your house. And so grab some of those, have a happy Halloween, as always. If you need prayer for any reason, there will be a member of our team up here to pray with you. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. So have an awesome Halloween, guys. See you next week.